We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn. We've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be interviewing Baruch Klar, that's with a K, and he is probably the most prolific, proficient distributor distributor of public menorahs. We're going to talk about the public menorah and its ramifications thereof. The second half of the hour, we'll feature a little bit of the Parsha of Vayeshev. We may talk a little Hanukkah, throw that in. We're getting in there. Hanukkah's coming up very, very, very soon. Two weeks, as a matter of fact. We've got wonderful Jewish music scattered throughout the show. A great Hasidic story at the end. And before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Detroit native Danny Fenster, who was sentenced to 11 years in prison in Myanmar last week, was released from prison and deported. Fenster is back in the States, and the Myanmar government has not made any comment. An Israeli couple was arrested and charged with spying for Israel for taking pictures of Turkish Prime Minister's Erdogan's palace. Israel denied that the couple are spies. The couple was released and sent back to Israel after nine days in prison. Two Israeli border police were wounded in a knife attack by a Palestinian. The terrorist was killed. The United States abstained from a U.N. vote for a resolution that would give reparations to Palestinians who lost their homes due to Israeli wars and also create a law of return for Palestinians. Israel was the only country that voted no. In acts of anti-Semitism around the world, protesters at a rally in Poland burned Jewish books and shouted anti-Semitic slogans. Three organizers of the rally were arrested and charged with hate crimes. Vandals defaced a Holocaust memorial in Oviedo, Spain. A New York man will be charged with hate speech for an anti-Semitic tirade at a town hall meeting. The man threatened to run over Jews. Total acts of anti-Semitism on British campuses this year rose by 59% over last year. And in other news, finally, the dollar fell to its lowest level versus the shekel in 25 years. The exchange rate is now set at close to three shekels per dollar. It's usually closer to four. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. 
call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online Rabbi Baruch Klar. He's the Chabad representative of Essex County, New Jersey. That's uh, like Newark and surrounding suburbs. And we're talking about public menorahs. How are you today, Rabbi Klar? I am good, thank God. How are you? Good, thank God. It's honored, a, honored. The, the pleasure is all mine. Just to let the <laughs> listening audience uh, in on it, that Rabbi Klar and I have been friends for forty something years already, and it's always a holiday when we meet each other in New York. Uh, we usually discuss something, something over a menorah. Okay, so you're big. You have got this big deal going on in your yeah. distribution of public menorahs around the world. So let's first of all talk about this concept of a menorah and then the concept of a public menorah, and then we'll take it from there. Well, the history of it is that the Lubavitcher Rebbe asked um, that we put that we take the light. You know, it's interesting, but when you put a menorah up in your house, a little, a regular menorah, you're supposed to put it at the door or the window because the light that it gives should be not enough just for your house. It should be also to share it with the, with the community. So the Rebbe took it a step further. He said, let's bring it right out there into the community. The Jewish community needs it. We need the light. There's a lot of darkness to fight. So I looked at what was available. I think I came to Chabad and started learning uh, Judaism. Uh, I mean, I'm Jewish, <laughs> but I didn't have a lot of knowledge. And, um, I think I came a year or two after the Rebbe asked this, and what I saw was that the students were making them right away. Everybody runs to do, to do it, but they were making them out of PVC piping, which, in other words, is um, toilet piping, and they were painting them gold or silver. But they really were not nice. I mean, I, I found them awful. And I'm not a handy guy. I'm not a technician. I'm not, I'm not anything like that. But I... I, I guess I'm a little creative, and I, I just said, i got to do something about this. I don't even know how I did it, but I called up um, an aluminum place in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, that doesn't sound so crazy today, but there was no Internet. There was no even long-distance difficult. How did I know? How did I find them? You know what? I, I don't even know myself. I found this guy. I got the arms. We cut them to size. I had an electrician up in Jersey uh, put them together. It was really kind of primitive, but it was 10 times nicer than what was going on before that. And over the years, we, um, we perfected it to the point where now it's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. I have people calling me and saying, I can't believe how beautiful it is. I, they're really taken by it. It's, um, and I have a whole line now. It's like I have uh, 18-inch for your home. It's gorgeous. It goes inside your table, and it also can light with, with uh, regular candles, and it can also light with, with bulbs. So you can put that in your window, and you can have a light. All night and all day. Um, I have the same thing in 24-inch, three-foot one for a window, uh, uh, like store windows type of thing, or offices. And then we have um, six, nine, and 12 feet for different purposes. And um, they light automatically. There's an auto button on the PC board, uh, the control board, and um, you set it for the time you want it to go on, let's say 5 o'clock at night. And every day at 5 o'clock, it will add another bulb. comes in a beautiful packed bag, all sleeves for each arm, a handle and wheels. To, so you, know, you don't have to carry it. You don't have to sweat it. You don't have It's just really, I made it to make 
people's lives easier. I think that's a great thing to do. Okay. And uh, I'm very proud of it. And last year, because of COVID, I thought, I said, I'm not, I don't take chances like, uh, like, I'm not worried about taking chances and getting stuck with something. I'd rather have too much than too little. That's what my mother taught me. So um, I, I didn't cut my order back because of COVID, but I didn't increase it either. And I ran out of stuff about a couple of weeks before Hanukkah, and I felt so bad about it. So this year I ordered double, and it's a week before Hanukkah, and I've, I'm, I'm running out of almost every, you know, I've run out of two sizes of the menorahs already and the indoor bases. Indoor bases I can make locally at a, at a plant, and, and, and I'm doing that. It's scrambling to make sure that everybody has the light they need in the locations that they are. Uh, you're putting a little fear in me because I'm still working with the city of Ferndale to get a public one, and uh, they've been really hesitant, but I'm working on it. Anyway, let's let's back up a little bit. I think thanks for the information. We'll get that. It's a little hard. To I'm sorry to say that. Uh, say that again. Okay, uh, it was hard to hear. That, that's better. Oh, okay, fine. So we will talk like this. Anyway, um, so let's let's uh, let's go back to the first one. What year are we talking about? Ooh, I came in 1976. Okay, so the first Hanukkah menorah you did would probably have been about 78 or 79? Yeah. 79. Okay, cool. Where did the first Baruch Klar Hanukkah menorah get put up? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I think the first year I put 25 pieces together. And now we're doing a couple of thousand. Uh, so, so the first we, year, oh, even uh, with, with nothing, you just started with nothing. You started with an idea, and somehow you uh, managed to market 25 yeah. of these untested, unknown, just based on probably just a picture. Probably you went to like the uh, the shluch and the rabbi convention and said, hey, I got this They thing. were just still, they were beautiful aluminum, and they were painted. And um, even if it was primitive, it was much nicer than the PVC piping. So we every year we had a different idea. We got rid of the legs. We have a piece now that goes inside the main stem. It was just so many little things that made it so so much more beautiful. Now okay. the site is menorah.net. People can look at it just just for enjoyment. And there's a page there called Menorahs Around the World, where you can see menorahs around the world. And I only put up a certain number. I, I could put up hundreds and hundreds. Uh, this year, I, it, it was it's been so busy. I've been in my office till 2.30 in the morning, literally every single night. Even Saturday night after Shabbos, I go in, I'm there till 2.30. I have so much work to do. I love it. I'm, um, but, I, you know, it's, it's the, the main thing about it is not how tired I am or stressed I am, but how many menorahs are going out there into the world. It's, I ordered double this year, and I'm almost out. That's, that's incredible. It is incredible. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, this last uh, beginning of November, I went to the annual rabbi's convention, the Kinesa Shluchim, and afterwards, I went upstate. My son, who had been living in Crown Heights for like, I don't know, four or five years, said, I'm tired of living in the city, and he picked himself up, and he moved up to the middle of nowhere, New York, upstate. Okay, it just so happens there's like a Chabad house, like a half hour to the west, and a Chabad house a half hour to the east. And so he was showing me around his very lovely country up there. And, they, you know, this is north of the Catskills even. And we had some time. And so he said to get to the airport, I had to flew out of Albany. 
And we stopped in to a little town called Hudson, New York, which I suppose you could gather is on the Hudson River. It's about 45 minutes southeast of Albany. And we're walking around. And uh, I looked at my watch. I said, you know, we've got to get working to the, get to, uh, to the airport. And a guy came up to me and said, Was macht ihr? Which indicated to me that he was, he was Jewish. I'm in the middle of no place. And I said, oh, yeah. So I said, <laughs> I said to him, um, it's great that I met you because I need to use the facilities. He said, yeah, go use my office. Tell my partner. Okay, so I walk into the office and I look at the partner. And the partner, of course, is, is Jewish. And I said, your partner said I could use the facilities. And I said, go ahead. And then I said, and I also said that uh, your partner said you'll put on tefillin. Oh, he said, oh, you're a Chabad. Okay, so I got to talk. I got to talking to the guy, and he he said that he and his partner are in charge of the Jewish display of the Hudson Winter Pageant. And he took out, he took he took out his phone and he showed me a picture of a twelve foot. Borah Klar Menorah. Get out! I thought you were going to say he was going to get it from me. He no, already had it. Already had it. So I was just like, "Wow!" That's, I said, "That's okay. That's pretty amazing." So pretty you're, amazing. you're, and you probably don't remember selling a, a menorah to somebody no, in Hudson. No, I don't remember what he did yesterday. He said he's actually he's been doing it for 13 years. So this is a this is a 13 year old this is vintage menorah that he uh, so he had. So that's great. Okay, so. Now, we've gone in this country, well, let's talk about percentages. What percentage are domestic? What percentage are foreign? And that would include Canada and Mexico, uh, the Menorahs you saw. Um, mostly it's in America, but there are plenty in England, plenty, like dozens and dozens in England. A number in Australia. I even sent one to France and, and to Switzerland. Um, New Zealand, I'm on the phone with New Zealand. It's, it's just really wonderful. So, okay. That's, um, so now let's let's, let's talk about let's talk about the United States. Okay. Okay. Um, Forty years ago, when a rabbi wanted to put a menorah in a public space, it usually involved a lot of backlash. Court cases. There's actually some landmark Supreme Court cases about it, and that was 40 years ago. And here now we're talking about menorahs just going up all over the place. In the course of the last 30 years, how many menorahs would you say you've uh, you've distributed, oh, Rabbi Barclar? All the different sizes, maybe yes. twenty-five thousand. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, an, that's an incredible amount of. Of, um, You're right. I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to. The court cases, the people in the Jewish community that were afraid of, for good reason, um, separating our church and state, there was a lot of trouble. We actually went to the Supreme Court three times to three different places, and and we won. And then for years, I remember I once went to a small town in New Jersey because the person there asked if we could put up a menorah. And I'm the menorah guy, so um, I had to stand before in the town hall with with police officers lined up and down the walls, and and state my case in front of a board of seven people. And I wish I could tell the whole story because it was it was like really awful, but we lost. We lost four to three, and that was then. Today, there's dozens of them in that area, completely in that area, and and all the people. Even the Jewish community that was not that was against it in the beginning, it's like it's not a question anymore. 
nobody can say uh, separation of church and state. Nobody can say, uh, you know, what they used to say was a Christmas tree is not a religious uh, thing. It's just a tree, which is not true. Uh, it's a Christmas tree, and, uh, and it goes up at this time of year, and it should. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having a menorah for the Jewish people in the community. It's a beautiful thing. So that's, that's where we are. There's no trouble anymore. The, the people that were against it are buying them. Okay, so, so now, now I'm going to ask you. JCCs around the world, it's just, it's just incredible. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you for some conjecture, Rabbi Klar. What do you attribute this to? I would like, to, I'd like to say the world is moving to a much more spiritual, godly place, and um, I think uh, things that were not so common a long time ago, like goodness and kindness, are now seen advertised everywhere by everybody. I think it's it's a there's a lot of darkness out there, but there's a lot more light than there was, and it's increasing every year. And it would only make sense that the light of the menorah, which is all about lighting up the darkness, that's what it's about. You light it at night, right? We also light it at the window because it's to share it with the community. And we also add a light each night because what you did yesterday was great, but now you have to increase in light. So that's the idea. So it increased. It went from 25 to 100 to 200,000. It's like I don't even know what to do for next year because um, it's expensive to buy that much, that many menorahs. Um, yeah, at so, some point you're going to um, reach your saturation point, right? Everybody will have one already. Well, you know what? I'm glad you said that because a lot of people say to me, how many can you sell already? And I go, are you kidding me? Do you know how buildings there are in America? (laughs) How many buildings, office buildings, malls, shopping centers, uh, town halls, fireplaces, um, where do I sell? There's so many different places. Um, Towns, towns across America. I probably did about 30, 40 towns this year. I would say we have about 150 towns. In, in the in the country that I have have a menorah and called for it and wanted it and I'm really very proud of it. It's going to be pictures just so happy and so excited. It's just a lovely um, project altogether. It's just it's all around beautiful. It's all around you know love and goodness and kindness and light. You can't go wrong. And I believe as you increase that in the world, you get more. You know you can't run out of love. You can you can give love and you can give more love and more love. It's not like a, it's not like and money or something else that's tangible, you, want, you can run out of money. You can't run out of love. It's just, it, it, the world needs it right now. And, I, and I, I think we see it. We see a lot of um, divisiveness in the country, but, uh, but half the country is really into it, really into it. So um, that's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. So I think it's well moving in the right direction. That's a, that's a beautiful thought. Our guest today is Rabbi Baruch Klar. We are, he is a uh, Chabad representative serving uh, Newark and Environments. That's Newark, New Jersey. You can tell it's Newark because it's Newark, it's New Jersey because Newark is not Newark or one of those, but Newark. And uh, we're talking about public menorahs. You said that your inspiration for this project, which has basically become your your life's work, was as as part of the inspiration or inspired by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Right. Did you, in your formulating or presenting prototypes or actual uh, distribution, whatever, did you ever get any responses from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Barclar? That's, that's a very good question. I, I'm embarrassed now to tell you I never asked 
I never communicated it. Uh, it just didn't occur to me. You know, I just was doing what they wanted, and I was having a great time doing it. And uh, I never sent in for any blessings or anything like that. We just did it. I did, I did have communication with other things. We've done some very major programs. We did a Jewish Renaissance Fair, you know, 10,000 people and so on. But I, I just never did write in about that, and I probably should have. But no. But I, I'm <laughs> proud to be the source of it. What's that? It's not the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. Okay. I wish. I'm sure the others saw what was going on in the world. I mean, I didn't know what was going on in the world more than anybody. So I'm sure he knows that there's a lot more light there now. Look, look at already did uh, internationally already. Like, I just want to say, I'm, and I'm not giving a plug to Chabad, but I, I guess I am. But that's not my intention. It's just to say that I became a Chabad representative in this community. I was the second. Uh, rabbi in um, in the, in the state of New Jersey who opened up a Chabad area. In the second, today there's over 85. Um, if I go back to the late 70s and the early 80s, um, there were probably, I don't know, 50 emissaries around the world. There's 6,000 or more now. I mean, talk about increasing in light. There's an, uh, hardly a place or a town you can go to anywhere where there isn't the presence of uh, Chabad and they're doing their great work and everybody loves them. They're just wonderful people. They're literally giving up their lives. I mean, they love their lives. It's not like uh, difficult, but I mean, it's difficult, but it's, it's worth it. It's, it's um, worthwhile. Cool. That is absolutely wonderful. That's going to do it for us. Now, give us again, so if people tell us again your line and how they can get in touch with you. And if you tell us which ones are sold out already, too bad. So, <laughs> um, All right. We're at menorah.net. Um, is that menorah with an H or without an H? With an H. Okay. And you can see everything. If you go to shop and all, you'll see the entire line. It's really things you have you know if they had to put an indoor menorah outside the menorah is fine but the base is not strong enough to hold uh, a menorah outside with the wind and perhaps vandalism you have to be concerned about things so you have to put extra weight on it so people would throw a um, sandbag on it and i said no it's another thing you can't do so this year we came out with a base cover it's it fits over the base and it has room for sandbags, and it matches the menorah, and it looks gorgeous. And it just solves that problem. You want to be proud of it. You want your town to be proud of it. We like, we like with the governor of the state every year for 35 years already. It's like, it's got to be nice. It's got to be beautiful. We have to be proud of what we are, who we are. And, uh, and people enjoy it. People appreciate it very, very much. Okay, so you can tell us again. So, so for outside, it. so outside you have 6, 9, and 12 foot? And then for course- outdoors, 6, 9, and 12 we also added a whole LED decor, decor kit to go over the 6, 9, and 12 north so it could light up in color. And the smaller ones are also great. The 18-inch one, I think, is a perfect one for somebody's home. It's not $50. I know somebody just came in for one. If you go to a Judaica store and you want a small menorah, it's going to a cheap one, a plastic one. It's going to be $30, $40, $50, $60. These are m- more <laughs> But there, it's a world of difference. It's just gorgeous. You just look at it and you go, wow. And it's yours. And you can use it for both candles and for light. 
for electricity. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it brings a lot of joy and light. And I, I really, I love it. And I invite your community to, uh, to join us or to um, participate in any events that are held around them, whether it's a Chabad event or the town, you know, doing some celebration. It's just nice to get out there. And you'll see that at the menorah celebrations, there's a lot of non-Jewish people there. That so I saw half of my notes to non-Jewish people. Um, and you say, well, why? And the answer is because they work in the landscaping industry. They decorate malls and halls and buildings. And they do festivals. A lot of plant work, and they need this for decoration. Christmas decorating is a huge, huge industry. And we're just touching it, the, the base of it. But um, I actually have non-Jewish people that have ordered menorahs for their community because they love it. They, really, they love it. It's, it's kind of uh, uncanny, but it's beautiful. I, Okay. So that's wonderful. Okay, uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. It, it brings out my juices, my, my creativity, my appreciation, my excitement, so my passion. I guess I would say. Okay, again, that's so the, 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 the address. If, the address that people want to get a take a look and peruse the catalog is menorah m e n o r a h dot net. Not .com, .net. I'm sorry, if you could do menorah. Not .com, because .com buys from me, and it'll charge you a lot more. <laughs> okay. Oh, as a competitor. Okay, we won't talk about that. Okay, our guest today has been Bora Clark. We've been talking about public menorahs. And uh, in uh, the greater Detroit area, there are, if I just scatter on my head, there's 12 public menorah lightings in, just in greater Detroit. And that's stretching from downtown to Novi. Not including the outlying, not including the outlying areas of like Flint and and uh, Lansing. Oh well, thank you so much, and wish you continued success. You're and uh, keep us apprised of anything major. Okay, beautiful. Okay. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank and, you. Um, lots of light to everybody. Indeed, and happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah. Okay, take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Let's do some music. This is brand new. This is Jakob Schwecki. He's not brand new, but the song is, it's called Yogaiti, based on a statement from the Talmud which says, if you work and you're successful, you could be believed.
Jakob Shreki, up next for your listening pleasure, this is Leby Falkowitz, and it's simply called a Yiddish medley. Yeah. 
Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Herschel Simon here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This is the last week, full week, for purchasing Franklin Cider. Now, let's say you don't need a lot of cider. Okay? It's, it's understood. I mean, it, you could do like we do in the Feminine Home. We buy Franklin cider and we stick it in the freezer and we have it all the way we usually get rid of it by Pesach because it's kosher and I don't know about kosher for Pesach they have donuts on the property we don't want to play games with that but you could freeze the stuff and once you thought tastes just like it was just 
squeezed right out of the thing. So go to Franklin Cider. Tell them uh, you heard it here on the Jewish Hour. They'll appreciate that. And uh, taking the uh, taking uh, the whole the whole carnival of the the cider mill itself. It's a historic site, and a wonderful place to go. Take the kids, buy some donuts, feed the ducks, etc., 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 etc. We have up next for your listening pleasure. We got an email from Claire from Great Britain, listening to us on Jcast Network. And she requested some more traditional liturgical Friday night melodies, Shabbos songs. So we have for Claire, and if you, by the way, would like to uh, hear something that you'd like to hear, then you can send me a message at Rabbi, at, uh, go to RabbiFinman.com. If you're listening on RabbiFinman.com, it's right on the, right on the uh, homepage. And you can contact me and say, Rabbi Finman, I'd like to hear such and such, fill in the blank. No problem. And we'll see what we can do. And we always like to please people. So this is Soul of Jewish Music is the name of the group. And the song is Shalom Aleichem. It welcomes the Sabbath.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week is the portion of Vayeshev. It can be found in the cha- in chapter 37 of the book of Genesis. And uh, basically, we're now into Joseph. Uh, Jacob is really going to take a uh, a back seat now for the next couple of weeks. He's kind of like makes his you know cameo appearances in it, but our focus on the next couple of weeks is Joseph. Part of the very famous Bible stories are Joseph's dreams. Joseph has two dreams. He has a dream that his brothers are out in the field. And they're bundling wheat into, you know, sheaves of wheat. And they're making these bundles. And then they put the bundles down. And their, his bundle stands up. And their bundles stand up and bow down to him. Then he has another dream. He dreams that the sun and the moon and the stars are bowing down to him. His problem was is that he didn't keep these dreams to himself. He would have just kept quiet, and the whole Egyptian exile probably never would have happened, and we would have been brought down to Egypt in other ways. Because we were told, you're going to go down to Egypt for 400 years. But like this, like Joseph himself admitted in the end of portion of Bayigash, which is in two weeks, that, you know, don't worry about it. You guys didn't do anything wrong. This is all set up by the Almighty. My father now has a good life, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What can we learn by the fact, why is it that there are two dreams? Isn't it enough if there had just been this dream, Joseph dreams a dream that a bunch of bundles of wheat are bowing down to his bundle of wheat. And everybody gets the idea that what? That Joseph is going to be the king even though he's one of the youngest of the brothers. What do we need the stars and the moon for thing business? That, that whole other dream. So it's a very interesting thing. Let's look at this allegorically. What's wheat used for primarily? Making bread. What is bread? To quote somebody from someplace, I'm not sure where the quote is. I don't have my Bartlett's in front of me. A... Bread is the staff of life. Bread represents and incorporates the entire realm of the physical. Now, if you're looking at the sun and the moon, I don't suggest you don't look at the sun. Okay, But if you're looking at the moon like this last week, there was a 
a lunar eclipse of the moon. And how many of you woke up in the East Coast at 4 o'clock in the morning to see it? Not me! No. I've seen them before, and I suppose if you've seen one eclipse, you've seen them all, but I wasn't going to check it out. If you want to tell me that this eclipse was better, you can send me a line at uh, rabbifinman.com and say, no, 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 you missed a good eclipse. What do you have? You have to look up at the expanse. And it's an amazing thing. We had uh, a Jewish Ferndale. We had uh, uh, Rabbi Shapiro come and talk about the stars. And it's very outstanding and astonishing, amazing. Jupiter, which was very bright this whole summer, is a billion miles away. And Saturn, which is not so bright, but you can still see it with a microscope. It looks way cool. And a telescope, excuse me is a billion miles from, from Jupiter. It's like, wow, it's like it's an incredible expanse. And the closest stars, we're not talking in mil- miles, we're talking light years. It's an, it's, they're all physical. It's still part of the physical world. The stars that you can see 13 billion light years away, and we know there's more because the world is, the universe is round, and we can only just see to our horizon. So it's it's a whole lot bigger. But that's all just physical. But it says in the verse, Lift up your eyes and see who created these. Especially if you're like in a dark area and you look up and you see the entire sky, sky carpeted in twinkling white dots. It's like, whoa. Okay, down here in the city, you got this one over here, and you got that star over there. And look, I could see this star. Oh, look, I can actually see the moon. Light pollution, etc., air pollution. But it's supposed to remind us that there's something higher than us. There's something involving the spiritual. So now the question then becomes: Okay, so if we know, and we need to talk about the sun and the moon bowing down instead of the stars bowing down to Joseph. What do we need the sheaves bowing down to Joseph's sheaf for? It's a good question, you ask. Both are important because what's our function here in this world? Our function here in this world is bringing the spiritual into the physical, making the spiritual physical and making the physical spiritual. We have to combine them. We have to utilize them. We have to say, this physical thing that I'm using, I'm doing it to make the world a better place, a more godly place, a more spiritual place. Hence, the need for two dreams. We're going to talk about Hanukkah probably next week. I hope so, because it'll be the week before Hanukkah, and we'll talk more about light then. But in the meantime, we've got to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You want to get in touch with me? Best way? RabbiFinman.com. 
you're probably, you may be listening. I encourage you to listen to my show if you're listening on a podcast. That's a great thing. But you could listen at rabbifinman.com. But if you want to get in touch with me, wait until you finish the podcast before you go and uh, start contacting me. And there's, you can see at Rabbi Finman all the other things that we do. Just a plug for Jewish Ferndale, which is a part of the organization that uh, takes care of the Jewish hours, also Jewish Ferndale. So Jewish Ferndale will be having its public menorah lighting at uh, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Sunday, December the 5th. We've got a whole show for you. It's just going to be a spectacular, spectnaminous, and all kinds of wonderful superlative adjectives that we can throw at you. So we invite everybody to come down. And, of course, there'll be food. Yes, there's food. And uh, we'll be lighting the uh, the artisanal, the uh, art installation menorah, which is uh, part of become a permanent fixture on our lawn. And uh, it's a real trip. you got to see that. Just, just that people look at that and go, wow, that's really pretty cool, Rabbi Finman. So do that. Uh, and uh, come to my webpage, and you'll also find on my webpage, okay, we're getting into uh, November, end of November. Uh, we technically have one more show, which we're doing in November, but that doesn't really air until like November 29th. So it's for the most part, that week is actually December. We're still working on October. We need your help. Please go to the donations page, contribute. You're listening already now for close to... Uh, for more than 50 minutes, you've uh, enjoyed the show. We pr- try to present an entertaining and educational show. We've been doing it for more than 26 years now. We'd like to continue. We'd like you to continue listening. So, But we need your help. Go to the donations page and give your donation. And we've got, you know the routine, you know the plug. You can make it a one-time donation. You can make it a monthly donation using PayPal. It's all very safe and secure. And if you don't like using the internet for giving, well, send your net donation to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Story involves something that's happening this Monday and Tuesday of this week, which is the 19th of Kislev, is known as the Rosh Hashanah, the New Year of Hasidic Thought. On this day, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, known as the Balatanya, Rebbe Shner Zalman of Liadi, was released from Tsar's prison. He had been charged with crimes against the state. He was collecting funds to send to the Jews in what was then Palestine. He made he started a whole, a whole yeshuv, a whole a whole uh, place. Uh, you know, bought up tracts of land in Hebron and uh, encouraged people to move to Israel and uh, needed to support them because Israel at that time had no economy. But he was accused of supporting an enemy state because Palestine at that time was a vassal of Turkey, and Turkey was at odds with Russia. So hence, the ter- everybody understood it was trumped up. After 53 days, he was released. When he was first arrested, and he was arrested with, uh, it wasn't, I wouldn't say great sense and pomp and circumstance, but it was, he got taken in a wagon which was used primarily for convicted felons, like serious. This was a serious thing. This was not a game. So one of the things that they, the organizing committee, they said a whole committee, was to go to the various uh, great rabbis of the area to pray for the Alter Rebbe. So one 
person traveled like two, three, it was like a whole day's journey from Liadi to Berdichev. Both cities, I have no idea where they are. They're both very many miles east of Gross Point Farms. That's all I know. And when he came into the study of Levi Yitzchak Berdichev, the famed rabbi, the Kedushas Levi, the rabbi asked the messenger, what's the rabbi's name? And if you're going to pray on behalf of somebody, this is if you get better or somebody needs something, you have to pray, you have to know their name and their mother's name. So the messenger said, his name is Schnurzelman. He said, what's his mother's name? He said, I don't know. I'll be back in two days. He said, no, never mind. He took a chumash off the shelf, and he thumbed through it. This is what the rabbi did. And he stopped at a verse. And he said, oh, here it is. And the verse read, it's in actually next week's portion, Jacob, there's a famine going on. It's already the uh, second year of it, and or whatever. And uh, Jacob needs some food. And he says, listen, I see there are provisions in Egypt. So the word Egypt, Mitzrayim, is generic for exile. So now the, now the verse reads, I see that there are provisions in the exile. The word shever could also be read silver, which means hope. So now the verse reads, I see there is hope in the exile. The word shever is an abbreviation for Shnur ben Rivka, Shner Zalman, this, the son of Rebekah. And indeed, that was indeed the, the rabbi's name. That's going to do it for us. We hope we have a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you have a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Thank you.